0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 173 for October 20th, 2008. (laughs) Welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab. I'm Dave Hamilton. I'm here with John Braun, and we're speaking to you. How are you, John?
1: Good, and uh, Pete says, uh, ni hao.
0: Pete is, that's right, Somebody. Pete's in in Hong Kong, listening yeah, in on by, the Skype I hope I
1: said that kind of right. Anyways, um, <laughs> how are things? Oh, had a great... No, I didn't have a barbecue, because I can't have one of those, because I'm not in Texas. <laughs>
0: I, hey, wait a minute. I never said that barbecues <laughs> were limited to Texas.
1: But other people did, and you know who you are. I'm just kidding. All that <laughs> good fun. So I uh, had, a, had a great time. You know, grilled up lots of things. That's the proper term. Um, yeah, it was cool. I so, wish I could have made it. There were a few. Uh, yeah, there were a few uh, uh, listeners there. So, uh, Cool. That's excellent. Anyways, moving on. So everything is dropping these days. The temperature... Mm-hmm. And I saw gas for under $3 a gallon. I bought super for under $3 a gallon. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, of course, everything else, other things are dropping too, which is bad, but this right. is not economy <laughs> talk here. Otherwise, That's we'll right. just be weeping in the corner.
0: <laughs> well, we'd have lots to talk about, wouldn't we? Uh, if the pre-show prep is any indication of uh, how this show is going to go, folks, uh, you, you might it, the gloves have come off. What? John, John, and I were uh, were battling it out in in pre-show with our, our opinions on certain answers. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how uh, how how that goes here. Let, let's get right into it. So the uh, the, the <laughs> I, I, see they don't get to see what you. Say to me in, uh, Go. in Skype here. You're no, easily distracted. I am easily distracted, but uh, but oh, it wasn't you. It was Pete in Skype says like. Uh, in addition to taking the gloves off, we need to put our propeller beanies on because it's going to get geeky. All right, so new Macs, Maybe. some new Macs came out this week, John. We've got new MacBooks and new uh, MacBook Pros, and yes. uh, and 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 there's a we've got some questions sort of related to the whole concept of migrating from one Mac to another. But, but do you want to talk about uh, the Macs that came out, or, or are we going to leave that to, uh, to everything else that's been said, or do you have some things you want to talk
1: about? I, I, I have, for some people, which is a fist shaker. Okay, we're oh. going to start off. Oh, you're warming <laughs> but it up, that's, um, aren't you? <laughs> but yeah, exactly. So the, the one thing that I have always found very convenient on Macs, um, and how people are missing, is apparently, now I believe this is the case with the new MacBooks. okay. I'm not sure if it also applies to the Pro. I don't think it does, though the Pro has its own problem. But on the, on the MacBook, you do not have a FireWire port, Report. That's correct. Yes, I and have not actually seen one, but I've heard many reports. I believe we've carried articles as well. Yep. And that doesn't let you do this one thing that is in some way tied to the FireWire port, which is target disk mode. Oh, that's right which basically makes your Mac into a very expensive external drive. And I've actually used this in cases where I needed an external DVD drive but couldn't find one. So you fire up a Mac, you hold down T unless you uh, prevent that through using an open firmware type password um, that disables that feature. And then basically you have an external drive. You can you know either mount the drive on a desktop or boot from a make it look like an external CD or DVD drive. So pulling that out and then we even had some coverage on this and so maybe you want to... Uh, chime in here, Dave, but I think you know, I mean, they're trying to segment the product line, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Or is it like, you know, people kicking and screaming like in the past where, remember, they took away the floppy drive and people were shaking their fists saying this is a terrible thing. And as it turns out, floppy what? Apple was early. Uh, Floppy drive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, So I I do have some thoughts on this. So the it, it first of all, it's very interesting and curious that Apple would drop Firewire, which, of course, is an apple technology but uh, they have been dropping firewire from the ipod uh they they dropped it from the ipod a long time ago to be more compatible with the windows side of things and then of course uh it, you know we, we've seen that now and usb has become very very standard um and with usb3 kind of you know in the wings here maybe the complaints of speed aren't uh, you know, with USB compared to FireWire, maybe it's not that big of a deal. I still like the FireWire bus for disks much more than I like the uh, the USB oh, yeah. bus. But it's you know, got you juice. gotta you gotta look at who this is targeted at. They haven't pulled FireWire out of the entire product line. They've simply pulled it out of the MacBook, presumably as a cost saving measure, right? Because this new MacBook, sure, s- if you take out the if if, if you uh, omit the FireWire omission. Does that work? That's the double negative. Yeah, that works. Uh, You know, this is a pretty, it's a pretty spiffy machine. It's, it's a smoking machine for a, for a MacBook. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's, this was a cost saving thing or power savings or size or who knows, you know, but, but so let's not jump to the conclusion that they're yanking it from the whole product line, though they very well might. Uh, So, you know, I, I think it's okay that it, that it's, that it's gone but the target disk mode you're absolutely right this is crazy i mean certainly for a remote install you can use the uh the remote install uh, uh assistant i think is what it's called i've, I've got it here somewhere it's yeah, it's the remote install app and you run the remote install app on the other machine and, and then you connect to the, the DVD drive over the network and they've updated that software. It's available both on Mac and Windows. So but you need another computer. But from a troubleshooting standpoint, it's the same sort of thing. I can't mount the Mac What I used to do to troubleshoot uh, was I would set up, let's say the MacBook was the, the machine that needs to you know have its drive rebuilt or whatever. I would mount that in target disk mode. Plug it in. And now, like you said, it's a very expensive Firewire case. So uh, I'm able to, you know, connect it to any other Mac I have running and run all sorts of diagnostics on it and and everything. And you can't do that now. You have to get a little more creative and boot from a CD and and do it that way. A CD across the network and do it Mm -hmm. that way. And that's, you know, non optimal. But I guess that's uh, that's how we're going to have to roll. So.
1: Uh, yeah and there are ways i think we're going to talk a little more later there are other ways that max can communicate with one another correct correct uh, so, so they're not eliminating any possibility of, of talking to that machine it's just one less right right
0: and and, and who knows maybe day.
1: maybe we'll see usb
0: target disk mode at some point i mean there, there's no i well yeah there's no reason nah, that
1: technically it, yeah i don't know maybe may a is pain a in the neck yeah well, as far as, I mean, this digs in a little bit, but, you know, USB and Firewire, I think, have different concepts of how you describe a device and what device can do what and who can control things and, you know, when it requires. Yeah, there's a bunch of things. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Differentiate between the two. So it may be, I mean, it sounds, or, you know, there, there are people that make. Well, yeah, we'll talk more about this, right? Yeah, we will. We will. We will. Okay. And the other thing which, you know, some people didn't like, but I guess, you know, in a lot of machines that you can only get the glossy or glass screen, right? right it, glass it, now. It's the a glass screen, right? Yeah. So it's not the matte or, you know, which, uh, you know, it's anti-glare, but it's not as bright. So. Right. I, you That's know, I, I say about that. I, I don't mind it. All the portables I have at my disposal now and that I use, I have the, you know, uh, glass screen and I'm I'm perfectly happy. Either you I know, tune it out or I aim the screen so it doesn't catch a reflection. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you do have to worry about that.
0: Huh. Yeah, I, I chose the matte screen for my, my MacBook Pro when, you know, when we got our new machines back in in March or whatever it was. And the only reason I did that was because my cinema display is also matte. And I didn't want to have two different types of screens to move back and forth between. But... Uh, you know, at some point I'm going to need to replace the cinema display. So I guess I'll replace it with something that is glossy. And then I'm, then I'm stuck and I've got, you know, the mat on the MacBook pro. And so I'll have to spend all kinds of money in, and uh, you know, my own economic stimulus package, I guess, to buy both <laughs> all at the same time. So uh, go for it. Yeah. Not anytime soon. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's, let's go to Gene's question. Cause this is, This is a good one. My new MacBook Pro is scheduled to arrive Tuesday, though I saw on Twitter that it arrived today. Uh, I'm planning to install everything manually rather than migrating everything over via Migration Assistant, as Dave has recommended in the past, in order to leave behind the cruft of my last three computers. And I can't blame you there, Gene. Uh, I don't anticipate having any trouble installing applications or copying documents over, but I am wondering what is the best way to move mail and all its associated files and accounts. And if you have any other tips or warnings, that'd be great. Uh, I know quite a few people will be getting new machines soon, so I'm sure we would all appreciate what wisdom you can share. Well, I'm not sure if it's wisdom, but we'll tell you what we think. Uh, So in terms of mail, there are two things you need to move. First and foremost, make sure you're not running mail because this will uh, create all kinds of problems in your home folder which would be users slash whatever your username is slash library slash mail. So home, library, mail, that entire folder, move it over to the other machine and move it over from the old machine to the new machine and replace the contents. Uh, just totally replace replace the folder entirely. And then in home, library, preferences, there's a preference file called list. And uh, move that over to the same location, Home Library Preferences, on the new machine. And once once they once the copies have completed, go ahead and fire up Mail. It's going to have there's some caches and that sort of thing uh, that have to be rebuilt. So the first time it opens, it might take a little longer uh, than subsequent launches. But uh, but that should do it for you. Uh, And and your keychain, you know, that's one other thing to to move, which is in uh, Home Keychains, (laughs) Um... I think. So make sure you move that over. Otherwise, Mail's gonna. If you don't, Mail will ask you for your passwords uh, because it doesn't mm-hmm. store them in the prep files. It stores those in the keychain. So, so mm-hmm. as far as Mail goes, that's that. and, and don't forget keychains because documents
1: are easy to remember. Keychains are not. So, got good point. Well, if you want to start fresh, then start fresh with the keychain. Yeah.
0: you could, and and you know that's a perfect. There time. may be cruft in the keychain. Who knows. I have a lot of cruft in my keychain that 's one thing that i I considered not moving over, but I did because i just couldn 't bear to to lose all that uh, but if you are going to start fresh with your keychain, might I recommend and and they don 't pay us to say this, but i 'm happy to say it anyway one password from agile solutions it is a fantastic, way better. Then the keychain for web passwords. Now you're still going to use the keychain for mail passwords and other application passwords. Uh, but and and to be fair, one password actually uses the keychain as its as its repository. But uh, it it is fantastic, it's such an awesome utility for right. uh, for managing your your passwords. It's cross browser compliant and it'll generate strong oh. passwords and all that great stuff. So it allows you to easily have. Different passwords for every single app, every single website that you visit. So there you go. That, I'm done with my endorsement of 1Password. Uh, nice. Thanks.
1: So um, I've noticed, so, uh, so I'm, I'm still in Eudora, but uh, that, that has a similar thing in that I think most of the time it stores all the good stuff in your documents folder and then something called Eudora folder. And if it can't right. find it, it'll ask you, hey, where, where'd to go? And so...
0: And Eudora preferences, are those still stored in that folder in a in a file called Eudora settings, or have they moved to the preferences folder?
1: Um, well, I see a file called Eudora settings that was updated today at 9.14 p.m., so I'd say they still have that. I'm guessing that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for whatever, I, I haven't I haven't wiped out my Eudora folder for a while, but yeah, it has, it, from what I recall, it asks something where as long as you locate the folder that it's all happy. I think it's just looking for, yeah, that folder, actually that file, I think, that's what it looks for. It's like, where is it? And then, yep. then everything else is... Raps automatic around. now i've noticed mail i haven't made the leap yet migrating over to mail but a lot of mail programs mail has a way to import Dora and, and other things it does it does overall yeah you do Dora- We actually we just went to uh outlook and fortunately they do have a tool i think it's a third-party company and it tries to suck your notes database file and, and push it into outlook as a separate space and it worked for the most part and then it's searchable, and you can sort. And you know, I'm I'm still pretty happy with Entourage or you know Outlook on the PC side. But they did have a tool that brought everything over. So a lot of this maybe, you know, just mail migration. There are probably niche companies that do things, you know, from some formats to other formats, or it could be the vendor itself. I, I would think sometimes they encourage you to migrate from another platform, <laughs> so it's in their best interest to provide a, a tool.
0: All right, uh, should we move on to uh, to Jamie here? Yes. Okay, uh, so I need to find Jamie's email. I have a quick question regarding selling old Apple hardware. I'm not looking to sell my Mac or iPod yet, but I, when I upgrade, I wouldn't mind getting some cash for my current setup. I know Apple doesn't have their own buyback program, so what are my best options in terms of selling my stuff? Also, would I have to swap in my MacBook Pro's original RAM upon selling it? it you know, I, I'm reading this question... We either spent a lot of time prepping this before the, uh, the show one day or we put this in a show and I don't I didn't cross it off the list. So if this is a repeat, folks, I'm just going to apologize. And that's going to be that. Uh, but let's go through this, John, as though we haven't done it in the show before. But I'm having a massive sense of deja vu right now.
1: Mm. I'll check on that while uh <laughs>
0: okay. I, I know we checked on it in in the show notes and uh previous show notes. We even used our Google search tool uh the new show note search tool and it did not yield the uh the the links for the companies we are about to mention here. So, I'm going to have to uh I'm going to have to say we're just going to let the steamroller go. Uh so, as far as selling your machine, you know, uh, th- there's a couple different ways. Friends and family is is one option. Um, obviously you could, you know, one, one thing I would do, John, is go down to your local mug, your Mac users group and, and, uh, or if you have an email list for your mug and it's acceptable to do such things on it, uh, you know, announce that you've got a Mac that, uh, you know, you're trading up and you've got this one for sale. Um, you're, you're listening to shows there, aren't you? I can hear it echoing through John. Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Um, so that, you know, or eBay, right? that's 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 yet another option
1: so uh, sure okay no i'm looking over yeah no we didn't talk about it okay sorry about that um yeah a number of things so so you were saying ebay yep of course um yeah i don't do a lot of ebay i've I've had sometimes sometimes it can get oh okay yeah yeah or the other one um you know friends and family i uh I actually, yeah. Well, I recently sold. Um, well, it was a friend of yours, right? Yep,
0: yeah. yep, yep. It was my
1: old uh, PowerBook 12-inch. So, uh, and everything worked out. I was happy to sell it, and they were happy to get it. And uh,
0: there are there are some
1: companies out there that I, I know used to buy Mac hardware. Um, well, what I see here, these guys have been around forever, and you know, I mean, I, I love their web page because it's kind of retro. And then I don't think they really changed the basic design. And who's this? But I think it, uh, Shreve uh, Systems. Shreve Systems. Okay. I mean, they definitely have older stuff. If you're looking for old stuff, I mean, these guys may have like older motherboards um, for some, you know, dated systems here. And I'm just did, looking here. I mean, did you they find have,
0: that they that they will buy back Max? Is that is that something?
1: Well, on the bottom of their page, it says "We buy Max" in all caps. I, I think so, that's a good answer. Yeah, but they have. Um, yeah, all sorts of, of systems, old, uh, definitely not, you know, cutting edge. But uh, sometimes, yeah, if you're looking for parts, I mean, I see a lot of G4 machines and, uh, you know, older IMAX, uh, Motorola IMAX, stuff like that. So uh, check them out. But it sounds like, yeah, they'd be willing to. Uh, so so as far son. as
0: third party RAM, I, I wouldn't, Jamie, I wouldn't say you have to take that out. I would certainly divulge that to whomever you're selling it uh but but no you don't have to sell a machine with apple ram so no i i think you're uh i think you're fine there i i would in fact having third-party ram probably means you have more ram than the quote-unquote stock apple ram yeah. so you're probably better off selling it with you know a, a full complement of ram because uh because that's the kind of thing that that you know a potential buyer of a used machine is, is looking for. And most Ram vendors offer lifetime warranties on their Ram anyway. So Mm -hmm. as long as you divulge to the buyer whom you bought it from, from whom you bought it, for those of you uh, uh, who like to correct us on our grammar, and and I do appreciate Mm that, uh, then, then I think you're in great shape. And so is the, uh, so is the buyer. So,
1: yeah, I mean, you'd hope that the Ram is the maximum speed Ram that can work in that type of machine. And it, you know, you, yeah, you bought it from a reputable dealer that says, oh, yes, this, you know, Mac can handle the, the this maximum speed. Right. Right. Because I guess it's possible you could put slower RAM in a machine and it'll work, just not as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't guarantee that. Yeah, I wouldn't guarantee
1: that. Maybe not anymore. I've, I've seen yeah. it happen. But usually, yeah, I mean, uh, who is it, Crucial? I, I used the other day to get something and I punch in the machine and it's like up this is you know pc 133 yep whatever ram and uh yeah so they made an exact match it's cool
0: yeah that crew i i you know i know they're a sponsor of uh not of the podcast but of macobserver.com so full disclosure there but uh Ah, excellent yeah, and they have been for a while but I, I I like what they do there at Crucial. Their their prices are not always the cheapest, you know, when John and I got our our MacBook Pros, we found a much much better deal at maxsales.com, uh, other world computing, who by chance is actually also an advertiser at TMO. With many companies wow. in the Mac market are. So, no no great surprise there, but uh but But, yeah, I used Crucial actually to buy RAM. You know, I had to buy RAM for for one of our servers down in in Virginia, John. And I don't get to, you know, I I wasn't going to drive down to Virginia or fly down. So we have our network operation guys plug in the RAM there. But the last thing I want to do is order the wrong RAM, have them take a server offline. So we've got, you know, some service that's not available and 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 go put the ram in and then have problems so i i did the same thing i used the uh, crucial memory configurator or whatever it is and walked through and it said for this computer this is exactly the ram you need we guarantee it and sure enough the machine was down for about three minutes while the guy popped in the ram and uh it's been running fine ever since and we're and we're using all the new ram it's uh it's great so that's uh that's that yep Our first sponsor for this show is circus ponies with notebook notebook 3.0 came out uh, late last month, less than a month ago. And uh, it is a piece of software that allows you to create electronic notebooks uh, for various different purposes. Anything you want to organize or track, uh, you can create a notebook to do it. And version 3.0. Adds some interesting new features. The first is sketching. So you can actually use your uh, mouse or if you have a, a tablet, you, you know, you can sketch with a stylus and diagram right on your notebook page pages. So you can take notes in an outline view. You can make sketches right there on the notebook pages and you can pull in a PDF if you want and then sketch on the PDF, annotate it, mark it up any way you like also has a new diagramming tool that lets you create flow charts and really if you're if you don't want to trust your sketching uh you the diagramming tool is sort of a, a middle ground there where it where it'll kind of help create the structures for you and you can you can fill in from there um notebook 3.0 adds the ability to have any page of the notebook opened in its own windows so if you're in one notebook For, you know, let's say you have a notebook for uh, a a project that you're working on and you want to see two pages from the same notebook at once. You can do that with uh, with notebook 3.0 and uh, listener Jeremy actually points out that notebook 3.0 has indexes or they're they're called multi decks in 3.0 that allow you to produce lists and to do's and all kinds of goodies from the data that you already have in there. And and for Jeremy, that is the uh, the end all be all feature that uh, that makes notebook. Totally uh, mandatory to have on, on his system. Notebook 3.0 from Circusponies.com is 49.95. Uh, if you bought Notebook 2.0 since uh, at any time during 2008, since January 1st, uh, you can upgrade to version 3.0 for free. Um, so so definitely check that out. If you have a copy that you can't upgrade for free from, you can do so for 19.95. Otherwise, it's $49.95. And, of course, there's a free trial available. So go to circusponies.com and, and check that out. Moving on to the show, we have Mark with, a, with an interesting question. I don't think we have a perfect answer for it, but uh, we're sure going to try.
2: Hi, John and Dave. It's Mark calling from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller, I love the show, look forward to each episode. I'm hoping you can help me out with this uh, minor problem, which is just an irritance more than anything, but uh, ever since the transition to OS 10 from OS 9, I've found uh, an issue where I would like the default printer of each individual application to be different. Is it possible to set them to be different? I have three different printers, a label writer, an inkjet printer, which I use for CD labels, and a color laser for every, you know, lots of other purposes. I hate having to set up each time I go to, for example, the label writer and say to it, you know, your print setup is this for each, each time I use it. Uh, and then when I set it up, and if I make it the default, and I go to you know, uh, output a Word document, for example, it uses the same size as was set for the uh, the Dymo label printer. Is there a way of making each application's default print setup specific to it only? Um, yeah, if you can help me out with that, that would be greatly appreciated. It's been a niggle for a long time.
0: All right. Uh, so I looked into this, John. I, I know you did too. Um, I found there is no way to have a printer default for specific applications. Uh, at least that 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 was everything I found. Did you did you find anything different?
1: Um, no, I mean I found a Tech Note here that basically tells you how to change the default printer. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. But I haven't seen any way to, uh, and I have some thoughts, but I'll. Uh, I think you have something first, but um,
0: I I did. I I found an Apple script uh, that someone had sent in to macOS10 hints.com and we'll send a link to to that. We'll put a link out in the show notes uh, that automates the process. Now you know really this isn't a process that requires a whole lot of automation. You know, you it, it's it's just not that difficult to choose a printer from the, the drop down and, and creating an Apple script to to do that it might might be more trouble than it's worth or it may not. You know the other thing you could do is you could have an Apple script that runs Uh, And sets the default printer and then goes and launches your app for you. Uh, But that's not going to, as you switch from app to app, that's not going to uh, really, really help out. Now, you know, as I say this, as we switch from app to app, I'm thinking, is there some system service where you could use launch D to to trigger an apple script based on the frontmost app now that might get to be a little hmm. I, you know i don't know it, i don't know if there's eh, i kind of like it yeah i i don't know if there's a way to do it uh but but that would be that would be one uh one little trick there's got to be something but it might it, ju- it might cost too much in overhead to make it worthwhile but uh yeah there, there might be something there i don't know did you find anything else interesting I mean, the only
1: thing i think is that and i've seen this more on the windows side but i think it's, it's true on the mac side as well some apps so if you rewrite the print dialogue which some people do not a lot from what I see, pretty much what you see is what everybody else sees. You know, right. consistent. But on the Windows side, I've noticed, like, I have Photoshop on the Windows side that I use from time to time. And I believe that'll tie in. So I guess what I'm saying, some apps or like label printer apps. Of course, they have no need. to. So on an application-by-application basis, it may be able to lock it, but that's not very useful at all. Now, is it? But, right. but at a system level, no. Wouldn't that be a neat piece of software to develop, though? You know, I was looking around. Yeah, maybe I just, uh, my Google foo was weak. I, I could not. Come up with something. So people that do lots of printing with different apps let us know. It's lots yeah. Of different printers.
0: yeah, I don't I, I'm looking to see I was looking to see if there was a uh, a way to use the LP admin command from the command line to to set the default printer. But uh but I don't I don't think there is. Um if there was, that that would definitely be the way to uh to do it. For, you know, with, with launch D, because now you're only issuing one command and not an entire Apple script that's launching an app and, and doing all sorts of crazy things. But,
1: well, you know, there's got to be something that could maybe and, you know, I'll, I'll search around. We'll see if we can find something, hmm. but something that'll like map a function key or some, you know, not that hmm. not
0: still, you know, you, you, uh, you gotta, know,
1: off key to make this the default printer. So at least all you have to do is hit a key on the keyboard to switch. Well, kind of like an Apple script. Yeah, yeah, you certainly but I'm could. I'm thinking that's a keyboard right. mapping utility. I haven't poked around with those lately under OS X, but um, maybe oh, to yeah. No, I'm thinking yeah. a short. No, you couldn't do really do a shortcut. It, it would be more complex. Yeah, I'd probably be scripting as you uh, pointed out. But who knows? So um, yeah, let us know. This is a. It sounds like an area that's rich for. Uh,
0: yeah, I wonder if like something like Keyboard Maestro could uh, could do it. You know, that's uh. I wonder. Yeah, again, if I haven't if looked. Uh, some... I really
1: haven't had a need to. You know, the, the the initial thrill when we saw the first keyword remapping utilities Just like, "Wow, isn't that great?" <laughs> it just doesn't get me that excited anymore. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, we've, we've we've the OS delivers a lot of what we need. So yes. All right, uh, let's move on to Bob. Bob has Bob has a question that I loved researching. So Bob says. I'm a teacher. I have a Mac lab where I teach graphic design, photography and web design. I would like to be able to control Internet access in my lab. As you can imagine, if I'm not constantly watching, some of my high school students will wander off on the net. Is there some software or some type of Unix command that I can allow that I can use to allow or disallow access to the Internet per machine? All the machines have static IP addresses and the students must log into a machine to use it. I use remote desktop to monitor the machines. I have internet access turned off to the machine at this point by leaving the router address blank, uh, networked access is locked down and the students don't have admin access, so they can't change the router address. And he goes on to talk about some things that he has tried, uh, that, that didn't work the way he needed to. But essentially if the router address is not set, the computer doesn't know how to get on the internet. Once he sets the router address, it's fine. He also uses deep freeze to, uh, Make it so that if the machine is rebooted, even if the router address was set, once it comes up from a reboot, deep freeze, restores all those initial settings, and it no longer has a router address, and he's in, uh, he's, you know, back to, uh, back to ground zero, no internet access. So, uh, and he can use remote desktop. That's the, uh, those are the parameters. Now, there is an assumed parameter here, which I have confirmed, uh, that he does not have access to the router the router is school wide and this is just for his classroom so we've got to do this on the machine and that is uh that is our challenge should we choose to accept it John. now uh i, I have a i have a an answer but it, 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 i i can tell you you're chomping at the bit here so so go
1: no you well all right i'll go i would say well all right you, you this is an ethical question as well I would say just get your own router. No, you want to play nice. Yeah, um, I've done this in the past when I've you know worked in certain like research groups where we wanted our own network, and I'm like you know we want control over our network, and they're like oh yeah we're not going to let you touch the corporate router, and I'm right. like well how about if we get our own router and you let us tie into the backbone and and we do it that way, and they're like okay, but you have to manage the router. Now you could either be naughty and get a router and host, no one notices, which of course they will if your IT group is, is at all competent. <laughs> but then you'd have to learn how to manage it. But you know, like even the the airport um, does have a limited ability to do access control based on MAC address and time frames. It's you know not as full featured as routers as far as uh, what to allow, and and you can use some other mechanisms to, you know, make sure that a specific machine is locked down to a certain IP and rule set. But. Um, now to me that involves cost yes and involves additional effort um yep. but to me that would be and I think you agree my preferred way to solve this sort of problem now I'm I'm not saying you should I, get hardware and hook it up without telling someone that that I'm going to discourage nudge nudge wink wink <laughs> sorry <laughs>
0: all right so I'm I'm going this is where I'm going to have to deliver the smackdown right no. <laughs> <laughs> just to make things interesting here so no but but really I and I do agree with you you, you know you don't want to invariably if you set up a, a router that the network admins or admin which is often the case in a in a high school there's you know typically yeah. one person
1: but it just sounds they, like a lot of work that wh- and then I'll shut up but but it just sounds like he's doing an it's clever and it's it, the the way he's achieved this i think is very clever but it it just sounds like the amount of work put into this could be reduced substantially. Now you go on.
0: Sorry. Okay. So, uh, but you don't want to do that because a lot of times, and I, and I'm going to try and say this in a very politically correct way, because I, I'm sure at some mm-hmm. point in my life, I will have to deal with uh, yet another network manager. Uh, <laughs> it It is possible that if that this is the domain of this department or person and you start mucking with it and, and without their, uh, Knowledge or permission and they're going to go ahead and get uh, get upset with you and then they'll make your life very difficult and miserable for, you know, probably about 15 years until you retire and uh, or maybe 25 years. I don't know how uh, how old you are here, Bob. So let's say it's 35 years. Let's say, you, you know, you, you, you're a you're a young uh, young guy here. So uh, but whatever, you don't want to uh, impose that sort of restriction on your life. Hmm. So. Uh, I agree with you. You don't, John, you don't want to do that. But here's where I have to deliver the smackdown. I do not think this is the best way to manage this. And here's why. <sighs> Most consumer level routers, including the airport base station, when you go into the, the base station and change the uh, the settings, you know, and, and update the uh, the which Mac addresses are allowed on the network and which ones aren't and any of those access restrictions, my experience is. You then upload the changes and totally reboot the router, knocking everyone off the Internet for a period of time while the router reboots and starts itself back up. This is silly, but this is how it tends to work. Uh, So, so I for that reason alone, I don't like this because, you know, I know they're all using Ethernet. But uh, but if somebody were on wireless, not not only does it knock them off the Internet, but it totally knocks them off the, the wireless network. So they can't even talk to the other computers in the classroom.
1: That's that. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess I could see that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's bad, and it knocks it knocks out Bob's ability to uh, to remotely manage
1: the the machines. So but now, are these machines? Now, though, I thought they were wired. Or they are. Or are they are wired. Here? No, they're they're all wired. Yeah, yeah. They're all wired. Okay. But, uh, well, in which case, the only thing that occurred to me, and I uh, I haven't done this level of configuration, but I've asked for it, and it's happened is to be able to have a, a, what you call a static DHCP, I guess, which is to lock a certain MAC address to a certain DHCP. So it's a DHCP, but you always get the same address.
0: Well, it, it, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, he's he's doing static DH, mm-hmm. static statically assigned addresses right. and clearly doesn't have access to the router. So the, whether or not he's doing DHCP right. it doesn't matter, okay. right?
1: In that case, yeah, I'm, I'm just mention, mentioning uh, an yeah. additional consideration for what I think is the way to do it, which is so, probably not...
0: So here's here's the thing. You can (laughs) issue terminal commands from Apple Remote Desktop. And the cool thing with Apple Remote Desktop is you can issue terminal commands to one machine or to dozens or hundreds of machines simultaneously. And I did a little bit of research and I found a utility out there. Now, I have to be honest. I went and I dug and I found this utility and then I went into remote desktop and opened up the uh, the the Unix command window. And on the upper right hand corner, there's a little thing called templates. If you click on this, uh, one of the templates is for network settings and it uses this very same command. So I didn't have to do any digging at all. It was right there in front of my eyes, but I had no idea it was there. So check out those templates. They're worthwhile. The t- the command is called network setup, and in Leopard, it's in slash usr slash sbin, and the the command does all sorts of polling or querying of and and changing of the settings for your network. And so, uh, the first thing I, I told him to do is run network setup space, and then dash. Uh, list where am i i know i had this in our skype chat before and if i was smart enough i would have just gotten out there and uh, made it look all nice before i did but but i didn't so it's a network setup space dash list all network services and that's going to list all the different devices so ethernet or built-in ethernet airport or built-in airport firewire bluetooth you know all the different things that you see in the network uh, system preference pane and uh and that that'll show you what you need to mess with so For Bob's machines, it's either going to be Ethernet or built in Ethernet. And what he's going to use is network setup space dash set manual because he's setting manual settings and then Ethernet. Or if it's built in Ethernet that has a space, so you got to do it in quotes. So open quote built in Ethernet, you know, close quote. Then you type you have to redo the IP address, redo the subnet. And then at that point, the router. Uh, so you're either going to set the router to 0.0.0.0 or the actual router address and, and have it in there. And that's it now, uh, with the, so, so yeah, I guess this wouldn't work to send to multiple machines because you can't set them all to the same IP address, but, uh, but a little copy paste or maybe even Apple script magic. And, uh, if you did need to do it for all of them, you could, but, uh, but that's, that's really the, the, uh, I think the best way to do it, and and again, it allows him to do it from his teacher workstation using Apple Remote Desktop. And the students don't even have to move. They can be in their browser, say, hey, uh, you know, Mr. Bob, I need to uh, get on my uh, on the Internet for this. And he says, yep, go ahead. And he's done. And now they try it and boom, it it works like magic. So that's a that's the that's a little bit of magic I found. You know, as I'm talking about this, John. I realized there is that little template menu in remote desktop and by golly, wouldn't it be interesting if we could change the default printer via that template menu. And, and if we could, uh, that might give us the indication as to what we need. So I'm Mm -hmm. looking at system setup and, uh, sadly I'd see nothing out here about, uh, about default printer. So that's, uh, that's all makes makes me weep. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry to make you weep. All right. (laughs) Uh, let's see. What, uh, what else do we have here? Should we move on to, uh, do we have anything else to talk about with, with Bob, John?
1: Nope. Okay. No, you, you, you gave me the smackdown. Well, you know, I, I
0: I just (laughs) had to uh, share my opinion here. (laughs) Uh, all right. Let's find Frank here. He's got some, he's got some issues with his remote control.
3: Hey, John and Dave, it's Frank from Philadelphia. Quick question for you. I have an ITV with a MacBook Pro, and as you know, they both come with that little white remote. Um, have them in the same room, usually have my back, my MacBook Pro uh, up and running while I'm sometimes doing things with my ITV remote, and the both remotes work on both applications, which is a problem, because as you're trying to do something on your ITV, it... If you have iTunes open, it'll put it into the, what I'll call the theater mode or whatever that mode is called, and all of a sudden you have one remote working two different functions, which is a problem. So my question is, do you know a way to turn off the remote application? Uh, I guess in iTunes, but I don't think you can turn it off in Apple TV. Um, and that's where you'll cut me off.
1: John? Oh, well, here we go. So it's in a place you would never ever expect. Let, let, uh-huh. actually,
0: let's let's clarify something or,
1: here. Well, I want to cl- Yes, uh, well because I got confused before. Clarify that we have two remotes and two devices.
0: And I'll take one more further step back. I by iTV, I think he means oh, Apple of course. TV. Yeah.
1: Yes. Cuz iTV TV. is a maker of video products, but they don't come with Apple remotes. So right. usually we have Apple remotes or remotes on the same frequency. It doesn't really matter, but So, the key here is that the remotes out of the box will do as we're hearing. They will control any device that's willing to listen to it. Well, as pointed out, that can be a pain in the neck. The place you got to go to solve this problem is what is totally unintuitive, and that's in Security General. Um, And there'll be a pairing selection there. What that does is that marries that remote to that computer. And I'll mention a piece of mischief uh, in a moment that, that uh, you can uh, – <laughs> I don't know if I should. I'm going to. <laughs> Go ahead. But anyways, you want to marry um, – so you, that will marry a remote if you pair it with a computer, in which case each remote will talk to each one. Now, you had an Apple support article. Um,
0: yeah, I have, a, I have an Apple support know. article that, that I'll put in the uh, show notes. That talks about how to do this same pairing on the Apple TV. Essentially, you go to settings, general and remotes. And then from there, you can choose pair Apple remote. It does exactly the same thing that it does uh, when you do it from the security uh, preferences on your computer. It makes it so that that remote only talks to that Apple TV. So you could have two remotes in the room. You could have two Apple TVs in the room. I don't know. How many of us feel the need for that but uh, but you certainly could, and you could pair a single remote with each, and then that's the only way that that's going to work, uh, so it makes it very handy and i'll just say this, and this will be a lead into uh, to your your anecdote here, John, but if you have an Apple laptop, I highly recommend going into the security settings, and if you don't use a remote or didn't get a remote with it and don't have one, turn off. The secure turn off the remote sensor uh, because, A, I think it might save some battery life, but but there's some some argument as to whether it it, it actually turns (laughs) anything off or not. But. Far more importantly, it keeps anyone with a remote from mucking with your computer. Now, if you do use a remote, pair it because it keeps anyone else with a
1: remote from mucking with your computer. And, John, that's your uh, and, that's hope. And here's the big muck, is that in a lot of situations, um, I believe you hold down the play pause button. So this is one of those built-in features Um as far as I can tell, yes, it's a, the message is recent. I haven't tried it because then I have to, um, well, maybe I will try it. But anyways, you can shut down a machine that will listen to the remote if you hold down the play, or I'm sorry, sleep or shut down. Maybe it's, maybe it's sleep now instead of shut down. But it's still something you can do to the machine that may be unexpected.
0: <laughs> yeah, if I was using my computer and it shut down or went to sleep, I would consider that definitely uh, unexpected.
1: Yeah, so I've seen some people, so as Dave suggested, turn it off if you don't need it. Uh, I've seen people put a piece of tape over it. I've also seen some really paranoid um, colleagues put a piece of tape over the camera because they figured just because the light's not on doesn't mean it Mm. can't, right?
0: Technically, I I suppose somebody
1: could, because I feel that the video circuitry is tied to the LED. So if the LED's on, then the camera's on. I
0: I would agree with that. Who the heck knows,
1: you know? Yeah. But uh, hey, you know if I if I'm real clever and I can you know reprogram the camera firmware so the light doesn't go on,
0: or or simply wait. you know take a uh, a pen and <laughs> and break the light, right? I mean, what are the chances that you would notice that that light was broken, right? I mean, you know, pretty much, yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay. and and as Pete points out, if you have a paired remote, uh, and and so that's the only remote that can talk to your Mac. And you lose that paired remote. Uh, a new remote can unpair the previous one uh, so you can. Uh, and I think that's done with the play and pause combo that, that, that you described there so that you can unpair and repair if uh, yeah. if you okay. need to. So, you know, just good to know. Nice, nice to know that Apple thought a little bit further on down the road, mm-hmm. as they often do.
1: Yeah, and there's actually, to close out on the remote, there's actually, I don't know if I mentioned it, but I did a little uh, uh, short write-up um, about a program called Mira. Did you Did you see that? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Normally, the Apple remote is kind of lame in that it only controls a very limited number of applications. Um, Mira is something, um, you know, costs money. I think it's, uh, I, I forget, off the top of my head, but it basically lets your Apple remote... Um, Control any application or like, uh, you know, over 60 are included, I think, um, you know, they're not a sponsor either yet, but um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's OK. That's OK. We'll happily mention uh-huh. products by anyone, sponsor or not, if it's relevant yeah. to the show. Now, I, I, I know you were making a joke, but it but it is actually important. And I and I think most of our listeners are well aware that uh, that we're happy to have our sponsors. We're, we're actually great, very grateful for it. Uh, for the ability to do this and, and have people sponsor the show. But uh, but as far as the products we mention, there is there is a, a brick wall there, and we are happy to mention the products that are related to what we're talking about in the show and the answers to your questions and all of that. So even if we have a company that has come to us and said we hate you guys, there's no way we'd ever sponsor the show. I uh, you know don't <laughs> don't ever look at us again. Uh, we uh, that hasn't happened to my knowledge. But but if it were to happen, we would still happily mention their product uh if there was a good you know if, if it was the answer and, and the right thing to do so i, I i'm rambling go go on john
1: yes you are but but anyways the, what the program does is let you map your apple remote to any application with uh up to six user, user defined um up to six but actually they support something called a, a duo tap so it's a single click and a double click so it's actually very neat because I mean when I first got the machine I'm like oh there's a remote did I have to buy it I don't know if I had to buy it some some Macs came with it some didn't okay but um, but yeah so uh, letting it control any of your applications I think is very very cool that is very I just cool. expected it because I, I was going to show something in PowerPoint and, and what the default mappings I think the global things are like volume control and stuff like that so out of the box the Apple remote is kind of lame I, I really have to say I wish they'd do more with it but these people stepped in and basically brought it to, uh, I think it's something that should be included in the OS, so.
0: Yeah, that, uh, well, yeah. Yeah, may, who knows? Uh, there, there's two sides to that to that coin, right? Because mm-hmm. start including it in the OS, and then suddenly Apple's
1: yeah. responsible for all these hooks that uh, they may yeah. not want to have to monkey with. And then people don't write software for your platform anymore because you keep including the features in your next OS. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> you don't want to necessarily discourage that. You can contact
0: us by calling 206-666-GEEK, which, John, is 4335. You can email us at feedback at com, And if you are able, you can Skype us to MacGeekGab. I still don't understand why that shows up for some people and not others. It works fine for me. I don't. I. If anybody. I've uh, had that happen.
1: Yeah, it's weird. At work, I tried to search for us in the. the, the, the uh, yeah, I don't know what server or what. Well, here's the thing. Just type the name in Matt Gab and say, call
0: this person and see if it just lets you to let you call, even if you you can't add us. So, uh, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But either. I mean, you know, uh, record, you know, send us an audio question. Yeah. If you can't pay for the call.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, So should we do that? We're we're pretty deep into this show. Should we do the geek challenge thing now or should we do it? uh, Should we do it next time?
1: Um, what are we gonna do next? we had that, that's that's that, I, that, hmm. all right hey, well, well i like the next question I don't know about the challenge maybe we should think maybe we should research that some more okay so we'll feelings?
0: okay, so we'll do this uh we'll do this last uh, last question here and then we'll uh then we'll move on so here's uh here's chris i because you're right, I like this question too.
3: Hi, it's Chris here, first-time caller. Enjoy the show and appreciate the attention to details. I had a question for you. I recently ran the automatic sort of repair tune function of the utility that you use when you boot up into single-user mode. They just recently added a compatibility. The name of it escapes me. But you put in a single-user mode, it's text-based. And I had to go through automatic and just kind of tidy up my Mac to try to do my MacBook Pro to do kind of a maintenance. But I have a really kind of a negative side effect. Whenever I try to load a web page or any kind of DNS function, I think there seems to be a real delay, a pause before like a page will load or something like that. It's just enough to be really aggravating, and it happens every time I load a web page. Maybe you guys can help me out, some tips. I'm comfortable on the command line if I need to edit a resolve.com or something like that. Just a side note, uh, I'm a happy Drobo owner with Drobo Share, and when you connect a Drobo to the Drobo Share. It'll ask you what format of file system you want to use. You can choose HFS Plus, and then if anything ever happens to your Drobo Share, you can plug the Drobo directly into your Mac, and you can get to all your files, and it works great. Thanks for the show, guys. You can cut me off here.
1: Thanks, Chris, and thanks for the okay. info about the Drobo share, So, Just to start at the beginning, yes. DNS. What is it? DNS is Domain Name Service. Operates on port 53. It maps an IP address to a name. Just want to start there. As as I was listening to it, I'm like, there may be one or two noobs. (laughs) I think there's probably a lot of people that don't know what that's not a put down. That's not really a put down. Well, no, you know, noob. No, but but anyways, yeah. So it's a service that translates what you type into the browser to an IP address, which is how everything goes over the internet and it's it's raw form.
0: Yeah. How how when you go to MacObserver.com, your computer knows to to. Attached to the computer with a a specific IP address. That's all handled via DNS. And and we could go into root servers and all that crazy stuff, but we're gonna we're gonna skip right over all that now. And Uh, uh, and and I I know John. I I I I sorry, you
1: dropped out for a minute.
0: Got it. Okay. Uh, We're we're here. We're fine. Um, So the idea here is, I'm not convinced that this is a DNS problem. Um, Okay, because if it was, you'd be having this same problem with mail uh, and any other app you ran on the Internet. And so the way to configure this, right, maybe. And so the way to or the way to check this is to go to the command line. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a a DNS lookup only. So we're going to isolate that part of the uh, process and make sure it works. And what you're looking for is not whether it comes back with an answer at all, but how quickly it comes back with an answer! When you type the following command, it should come back immediately with an answer. And the command is, and and there's two to use, but we're gonna we're gonna use nslookup because it's a whole lot simpler to understand. So you're gonna type nslookup name server lookup, uh, and that's all one word, space, and then. Really any address. So, you know, we'll say NS lookup space www.macobserver.com. Hit enter. You should be you should be presented with about four lines of text. The first two are going to tell you what your DNS server is. And the last two or three are going to tell you what macobserver.com resolves to. So, uh, yeah, it should tell you that it resolves to something. Otherwise, uh, either you or or perhaps we have a problem. And the uh, then the next thing is you want to make sure it comes back very quickly. If it takes a while, then you do have a very slow DNS server. Uh, if it does not take a while, then your DNS lookups are fine. And you have another issue, which my the next thing I would jump to would be a, a Safari cache issue. You did run Applejack. That's what that piece of software from the command line is, Chris. And you... Um, You have, you know, you went and cleaned all these Safari caches. It's possible that something got wiped out in the process, and so either telling Safari to empty its own cache, which happens in the uh, Safari menu, or running something inside the OS like like Onyx or Cocktail uh, to clean those caches while the rest of the OS is running might might do uh, something for you here. So that. I'm gonna guess it's caches, just because a you didn't say you were having any problems with mail, and and more importantly, b mm. uh, you ran Applejack right before this problem started happening. So that that's gonna be that's gonna be my my okay. uh, my guess there.
1: I have a little uh, well, it's a, it's not a tangent, it's related. But anyways, there's another way to look up this information, and that's with our friend. Well, you know, I was just thinking, why do I know about this utility? Because you know. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, network utility in your utilities folder, I believe, um, has a lookup option. And boy, does it have a boatload of options under lookup. And it it uses something called dig. I guess uh, NS lookup is, you know, not the cool kid anymore. Right
0: uh yeah yeah kind of sort of yeah they they say that it's been uh i guess the the folks who write by and say that it's been deprecated but it's in all yeah. current versions of, it's in all versions yeah, yeah. of mac os 10 so it, it really yeah. is it, it, using and using network utility would be fine in most cases but for for this one when when you're really looking for the the lag time between when yeah. you issue that request, you don't want anything else in the way. So that that's that's why I'd said go to the command line and just do it this way.
1: Oh, okay, because the only other thing I'd mention is, uh, along with this, either in network utility or from the command line, trace route if it works. Yeah,
0: yeah, Hello? I mean, that's not... Yeah, yeah, I don't know that that's going to help Chris, though. Oh, so.
1: well, it's just kind of cool, though.
0: <laughs> it it Tracer shows cool.
1: every router that your traffic goes through, and if if you have network problems maybe it'll help highlight which piece of equipment out there is uh is causing issues.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could it, it, it yes, if there are if there are network issues that traceroute would be in fact if you if you find Root or
1: route, I say trace route. Yeah. You say route? I do. Uh
0: so if you're if you're looking for if you find that your DNS server is responding slowly, you could run a traceroute to it and and, and you just type traceroute space and then the IP address of your DNS server. And and it will show you all like John said, it shows you all the hops there. So that would be one way to see if uh, if your DNS server is if, you, if, if is is responding slowly or if there's something between you and the DNS server that's responding slowly. Uh, and I'll, I'll throw in a quick uh, quick plug for open DNS at OpenDNS.com uh-huh. which is a great third-party, freely available DNS service that allows you not only to have very, very quick lookups, but also to manage the way your network DNS works, and you can filter out things like uh, stuff you might not want the kids to, to see or use, or uh, phishing attacks and adware and stuff like that that, that you don't want to have to deal with. You can filter all that stuff out, so it, it's very handy. Uh, I use it here, and I love it. So Sweet. That's uh. So... Where are we? Are we? Oh wow! We're at the end. Hey, uh, so mm-hmm. uh, this weekend I was in Vermont, and uh, Saturday morning, you know, I, I I I've mentioned this before. I'm a I'm a big fish fan, and that's how fish more, is
1: in P H I
0: S H. That's the right, band. the band, yeah. And so uh, they announced a couple of weeks I thought ago they broke up. They're getting back together. Cool. Which was very exciting. Lisa and I were at uh, their final shows in in Vermont uh, about four years ago, five years ago, I guess, four years or ago. not? Yeah, we were there. Well, well that's they're right. not The they're, final shows anymore? Well, they are until March. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so we tried on, on Saturday morning. I we were at, at my dad's uh, place there in in, uh, in the Mount Snow area. And I got on a Wi-Fi network and we tried to get tickets and failed and we tried and everything. So I'm going to I, I hate to uh, to to do things like this, but uh, mm-hmm. I would love to get tickets for those shows. If anyone knows of a way that uh, that I might be able to find some uh, tickets for Lisa and I for these fish reunion shows, it would it would actually mean a lot to me. So I'll throw it out there. And just in Did case you? there's somebody that can. Yeah.
1: Did you tweet? You got a lot of followers. You got way more than me, though. Mine is growing. Slowly I, but surely, I'm. I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked. I did tweet about this, and uh, no,
0: really, no, no. I had plenty of people lamenting with me, saying they were unable to get tickets too. <laughs> so uh, so that's, uh, that's. Well, it made that's you feel suppose. a little better then. Right? Uh, absolutely, it made me feel it a whole spread lot better. Spread the pain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we mentioned Twitter, so we'll throw it out there. Uh, Twitter.com/slash John F. Braun is John, and Twitter.com/slash Dave Hamilton is me. And
1: right. the other guy. Oh yeah, and twitter.com slash pilot p. That's right now, you know, uh, One cool thing I've tried out And then then we'll go to the official line here okay. But um, Twitter.grader.com Have you tried this? Yeah, I think it's I It's thing did. to obsess over It kind of looks at you know how many people you follow How many people follow you The frequency at which you type things And some other you know secret sauce And it gives you a grade um, I don't right. know
0: Interesting Stuff to obsess over
1: yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, do well, uh, you see? There's another one <laughs> that'll tell you when people stop following you, and then I'll shut up about Twitter. But to me, it's like, you know, I just can't see that leading to anything positive. It just leads to confrontation. That's that's never good. So never good. <laughs> that's all I'll say. Okay. MacWorld Expo is January 5th through 9th,
0: and uh, of course we'll be there. I, I got to find out our exact times, but John, you and I will be doing at least one, if not two, uh, live <sighs> Mac Geek Gab podcasts from the show really?
1: floor. Yep, live. You I'm bet. Not good live. Well, maybe, but we're going to we're going to do
0: it, and you can geek challenge us. Uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> and we're going to we're going to see what we can do. Uh, so that's that. The iPhone Alley podcast is uh, Michael Johnston's podcast, and of course, Michael converts this show to AAC for you. And iPhone is his website. Check that out. Cashfly provides all the bandwidth. Cashfly.com for this show. The podcast marketplace includes the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebone Software version 9, PDF Pen version 4 from Smile on My Mac, hygiene, and Notebook 3.0 from Circus Ponies, all through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. I think we're good. Yeah. All right, John? Yeah? Okay. Uh, hit the button. And we like the iTunes comments, too. I got to hit the button. I got to find the button. You know, I'm talking to you while, while I hit the uh, magic button. It's over here. There it is. That's the one. All right. Thanks for staying subscribed, folks. We very much enjoy doing this and very much uh, enjoy you chiming in and listening and being part
1: of the show and sending in your questions. And tell, tell your friends and family and... Even your enemies. I mean, anyway. sure, we'll take them. We'll take all kinds. <laughs> we have no enemies. And the good news at the party is I told everybody the, about the back roads. So, fortunately, no one got caught.
2: May